This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff, our live call-in show. That's the, the, the key word I always say is the call-in show. We want to hear from you. As they say now, and I've learned this, you know, I, I have a woman who helps me with my social media, and she has hashtagged one of my Instagram posts, AMA. And I thought, you know, she's new. She doesn't realize that for me, it's the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, not the AMA, the American Medical Association. So, so when, I, when I told her, I said, no, no, you forgot the V. She goes, no, 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 that's ask me anything, AMA. So, so that's what we want you to do. You can ask me anything, give a call, and we can talk a couple of ways to get a hold of us, uh, toll free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better yet, join us live here Google Hangouts, if you go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, and you'll scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there is a a box, kind of, you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a a big box with a long, long Google Hangouts number, it's the address, you don't have to copy it, you don't remember it, just click on it, and it'll take you here live uh, to join us here with your pet. And as I said, and we'll talk about more and more about this, as preparing for the show just now, I got a, a call in my air vet which is uh, the, the live telemedicine app. And it, it, it's really, really cool. And it, it, you know, it's a great way when you think about how much time and money you can save and not have to get into a car. I don't know where you live, but if you live someplace like we do in LA and, and fighting traffic and then find parking and then sitting in a waiting room, uh, you can do it online. It's so nice. Anyway, so get a hold of us. And uh, either way, we're here for you. We want to answer your questions. We want to help you out. And the best of all, it's free. Doesn't cost you a dime. So you get, you know, I can give you the same information that you would get when you go to your doctor's office and pay anywhere from, you know, 50 to 75 bucks. So it's free. So use it. So anyway, as many of you know, uh, I like to start the show. We, I go through a number of the websites, but they're veterinary. So, you know, one of the reasons why I really want to get into telemedicine is that the alternative for a client who needs information, they need it now. And let's face it, millennials out there, you need it now. It used to be you call your vet and the veteran surgery and the nurse, the, the receptionist or the nurse says, I'm sorry, doctor's in surgery now, but we can call you back after two or after three. That used to be fine. Now, oh my God, they want the answers now. You know, I remember back in the days I had a pager. Yes, I still actually, I still have one, but this is going back 30 plus years. So I'm sitting in a car, I'm on the freeway and I get a page. Now, what do I have to do? There's no cell phones back then. So I had to get off the freeway, find a gas station. I actually had a calling card, which made it easier. I didn't have to carry all, you know, any change. And, you know, I would then make the call. So yeah, that could take up to 15 minutes and sometimes even longer, depending on where I was, how accessible a phone was. And that was the status quo. That's what people expected. Now, oh my God, you get a page. If you don't call it back within 30 seconds, people are getting pissed off. So you got to be really just, that's why... We don't like as veterinarians what we call Dr. Google. And I actually have a coffee mug. I think I've shown it to you before. It says, don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree, my veterinary degree. So you know, the whole concept of giving you information, having it available to you at your fingertips right now is what it's all about. And that's why we're here at Pet Life Radio, to educate you, to help you out. And um, that's kind of what I'm doing. So anyway, 
On the um, one of the sites I saw, there is something that's very interesting to me as a veterinarian and also a veterinarian who actually does a lot of cancer treatment. And that is, it's a vaccine trial, a cancer vaccine trial that's underway. There are three universities, at least that, that they mentioned in the article. One was Colorado State University. One was University of Wisconsin-Madison, all great vet schools. And of course, my alma mater, UC Davis, number one in the world. That's okay. But anyway, it's a, I think it's great. So there's certain... You know, and it's always been said that the best way we're going to have to treat cancer is get the body to kill the cancer itself. Drugs, I mean, they slow things down. They sometimes can cure. But it was very interesting how immunotherapy, that's what we call it, immunotherapy is really getting a lot of attention right now. Because as we know, the drugs don't always work. They don't work well. They're not, they, they don't kill it. How do we get the body to kill it? When you have allergies, for example, yeah, you could take the anti-allergy medications. You could take the antihistamines. You can k- take care of the symptoms. But the way to stop the allergic response is immunotherapy. That's why you get allergy shots. Let's get the body to attack the antigen. Instead of giving something externally, let's get the body to do it. And that's the whole idea of this: these cancer vaccine trials is if we can take that cancer, make it into a vaccine, inject it into the, the patient, very low amounts. Let's get the patient's body to start attacking it, developing an immunity to it, developing antibodies against it. And then that way we can actually beat the cancer. So I think that's pretty cool. Speaking of cancer, this was really good. So the canine nose may be used as a cancer screening tool, which is, again, I'm sure you've heard the stories. I have a client who was convinced, convinced that her dog diagnosed her breast cancer before even she knew she had it or before she went to the doctor which is amazing. So let's, you know, that's a little nuts and bolts about dog anatomy. So we have about 5 million receptors in our noses, the olfactory receptors, 5 million dogs, ready for this? 200 to 250 million. So they have 40 times what we have. And that's what allows them to just have an amazing, amazing sense of smell. So what they did was they took dogs, they were working with beagles, uh, which are hunting dogs. Obviously, you can imagine they have a really good sense of smell. And what they did was they let them smell blood from individuals that had what we, uh, it wasn't blood, it was actually um, tissue from, it was called non-small cell lung cancer. And they also then taught them to differentiate between that and those from tissue from a healthy patient. And they started to respond. Then they let them loose to see, can they screen people? to diagnose or to at least discover, to determine whether or not they have this smell, whatever that smell is, of non-small cell lung cancer. Check this out. 97.5% specificity and 96.7% sensitivity. You couldn't come up with a a non-animal test that's going to give you that kind of specificity and sensitivity. So that means it's actually amazing. So now they're thinking about maybe they can use this for other forms of cancer as well. But just know that your dog, your dog may detect, heaven forbid you should have cancer, but your dog might detect it before your doctor will or before you even know you have it. So this was also very interesting. And I'm going to kind of with just a a cautionary that we're going to talk about the 10 most common pills that can be toxic to dogs. Mind you, and this is where I want you to understand, many of these are okay for dogs. In fact, have been prescribed by your veterinarian. But the cautionary statements are, you got to be careful because obviously doses are a lot different. So number one on this list was ibuprofen. Okay. You know, we we know what that is. And um, two is tramadol. Now, tramadol is often 
being used. The problem is with tramadol, it's often overdosed or you're not careful with it. You get it from the doctor. You put it with it with even, and just so you know, childproof bottles for dogs mean nothing because they're not going to get the top off anyway. They're going to crack right into the bottle with their teeth. So don't fool yourself. And say, well, I can't believe it. I left it on a counter, but he I had the childproof top. <laughs> your, your dog is laughing at the childproof top. So you got to put all medications really far, far out of reach. Alprazolam, number three, which is Xanax. Again, we use it a lot in practice, but you got to be very careful that to, to avoid overdosing it. You do not want to overdose uh, the Xanax. Adderall. Now, you know, that's, you know, used for kids with ADHD. And interestingly, as you know, from if you have a child with ADHD, it has the opposite effect on kids with ADHD versus a normal. So it's, it's really like an upper and it, it acts more of a, as a downer for kids that have ADHD. But for regular people and dogs, it's an upper. Increased heart rate, increased temperature, tremors, seizures. So if you have a child that is on Adderall, again, um, and don't ever say to yourself, I can't believe you ate it. It, it. It's so bitter tasting. It doesn't make a difference. So they will get into what they can get into. Zolpidem, which is Ambien, Ambien, wobbly, increased heart rate. Again, we don't use it in veterinary practice. At least I don't use it in veterinary practice. So again, you want to be very, very careful if someone, I'm taking a, a trip. I think I mentioned it. We're in a, the 9th of July. Uh, we're going on an African safari. A lot of, obviously, airplane rides. And people tell me, oh my God, Jeff, what you should do is just take an Ambien. You'll go to sleep. I've never taken Ambien. I don't ever want to take Ambien. I've seen people on Ambien. It's okay. I'll, uh, I can do without it. I also hear people sleepwalk and talk on Ambien. So uh, not for me. Anyway, clonazepam, clonopin. Also, it's an anti-anxiety for people. It's anti-convulsant. So we use it a lot of times with pets that have seizures. So we do use it. But obviously, sleepiness, wobbliness, and too much can lead to collapse. So if you are, if you have a pet that is on clonopin, be really, really careful. Acetaminophen. Oh, my God. This is one of the worst, believe it or not. Not great for dogs, but it's not a killer. But it will kill your cat. Um, what it does, it uses up the binding sites for oxygen instead of hemoglobin. It is called methemoglobin. So what it does is the methemoglobin will get onto the binding sites, but methemoglobin can't bind to oxygen. So all the binding sites are used up because of methemoglobin, and therefore there's no way for the animals to get oxygen. I had a cat. It is often, most often deadly. So I had a case come in, and the cat was breathing completely normally, but his tongue was blue, and he was starting to panic. Oh, my gosh. So my first thought, because it wasn't, it wasn't like he was becoming cyanotic. That's where the tongue gets blue because of medication or because of a lung disease. So I said to him, I said, do you, do you by any chance take Tylenol, acetaminophen? He goes, yeah. I said, is there any way that the cat could have gotten a hold of once? He goes, oh my God, what happened? He got home. He had a headache. He poured two you know, acetaminophen tablets into his hand. One fell off the, you know, it was on the nightstand. One fell. He didn't think twice about it. He said, well, he couldn't, you know, it was dark. He couldn't find it. So he just took another one to have his two. Meanwhile, there was one sitting on the floor. Who got all of it? The cat. Anyway, we pulled the cat through. Not easy. Very extensive. Very, very, uh, very tough. But I can only tell you firsthand, it's the weirdest thing in the world to see a cat who is just trying to get oxygen, but and their airways, everything is fine. It's just that they, the oxygen is not binding to their cells. Naproxen, so naproxen sodium. It's a really, really good, strong, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. We take it, you know, all the time. Anyone, anyone who's had a sports injury has taken naproxen. But 
in animals, stomach ulcers, and kidney failure. So keep that in mind. Likewise, oh, Cymbalta, which is duloxetine. It's also an antidepressant. It's anti-anxiety. But in pets, the, the agitation, tremors, and seizures. And lastly, Effexor, same thing. It's called venlafaxine. And also antidepressants. You've seen, you've seen these commercials. So um, it has the same effects as the Cymbalta, which is it can get tremors, seizures. It, it kind of has the opposite effect on dogs. So, you know, again, it's one of those things that uh, we got to be really careful. So, um, well, we have still more to talk about, but we're at that midway part of our show. So don't go away. We're going to talk about this whole thing with diets. Remember, we, the increase in the incidence of dilatative cardiomyopathy in dogs that usually don't get it. It's usually in cats because of taurine deficiency. Dogs have enough taurine. So what is going on? Don't go away. And we're going to come back and talk about it. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here, your host on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. Um, so when we, um, just before the break, I kind of gave a little teaser about what is going on with this whole thing with dogs getting DCM, which is dilatative cardiomyopathy, something that typically cats get. Some breeds of dogs can get it. You know, we get, you know, for example, see cardiomyopathy in Dobermans, for example. But it, it's happening way, way more than we've ever seen it. And the reason is, well, the link was, it seems like it's the incidence is greater since the advent of all these grain-free diets, these exotic pet foods, these little boutique foods. What the heck is going on? So the first theory was that dogs, yes, can make their own taurine. How do they make it? They, the building blocks, which is a taurine is a, a sulfur amino acid, are other sulfur amino acids, cysteine and methionine, that are plentiful in meat and in grains. And so therefore, they are making their own taurine. And therefore, unlike a cat who can't make his or her own taurine, therefore needs it from the diet, which is why cats are obligate carnivores. It's mostly coming from the meat sources. So what, what was going on? So maybe the thought was that the legumes, which are often substituted in quote-unquote grain-free diets, don't have enough cysteine and methionine. And therefore, the dogs don't have enough building block to make their own taurine, and therefore, they're getting DCM. Well, that's been shot down because legumes do, in fact, have cysteine and methionine, and they even have taurine. So that doesn't make, in fact, legumes are a good source of protein. So what now they're thinking is that maybe either in the substitutes or in something they're using to develop and manufacture their diets, there is some sort of a dietary toxin 
or maybe a compound in in those products, those food products that they're using in lieu of the grains that are is interfering or blocking the taurine use. So it's there when you measure it in a lab. Oh my God, there's plenty of taurine. The dogs that have been getting DCM, where they measure taurine in the blood, the taurine's there. So that kind of starts to blow that theory a little bit, right? Unless there is something else in that diet that is interfering with the ability, the dog's ability to use the taurine. So it's there, but it's not functional. And therein lies the problem. So we just don't have the answers yet. And I am exercising caution. I can't tell you what to feed and not to feed your pets. What I can do is the following, however, is tell you this. Grain, very few dogs. Well, let's go backwards. Very few dogs in a percent, percentage-wise have actual legitimate food allergy. Maybe, maybe 15% of all allergies in dogs is food-related. Now, of those 15%, what are the biggest culprits? We've talked about this before. It's poultry, so uh, kind of beef, I mean, excuse me, chicken and turkey and beef. And on the grain side, it's wheat and corn. So my point is you do not have to have grain free. What you want to do is avoid wheat, corn, chicken, turkey, and beef. If you eliminate those five, you will be way ahead of the game. So we as pet owners have a tremendous tendency to what we call anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphizing is we take our values we take what we think is good for us. We take what we want to mod- how we want to modify our lifestyle, and we project that onto our pets. So we say, well, God, since I feel healthier and 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 you know I'm grain free and I feel good and I'm my weight loss or whatever, whatever, I think it's probably better for my pet as well. You got to be really careful when it comes to anthropomorphizing because different species altogether. And so don't do it based on your whim. Do it based on specific scientific fact. In other words, if you had an allergy test and determined that, yes, your dog has a certain uh, you know, allergy to a particular grain, eliminate that particular grain. You don't go grain-free. So, so what's happening is we are, in a sense, we are creating some of the problems with our dogs. Now, in a case with this, we don't know what the, what the, the mechanics of this problem is. We know it's a problem. We see the increased incidence. There's no virus going around. And it's only happening in dogs that are being fed grain-free diets. So that, I mean, other than the, the breed predispositions. So my recommendation is talk to your veterinarian, do your homework. It's not always the case. That's what's good for you. Well, look, look, at the beginning of the, the uh, show, we talked about pills that are dangerous. A lot of these things we take, a lot of these things should save your life. It doesn't mean it's good for your dog. So if you wouldn't give a medication, all right, or modify something that you give to yourself, to your dog from a, from a medication standpoint, why would you think that your food should be any different? So we're different species altogether. Be very careful. Do your homework, legitimate homework. <laughs> by that, I mean, don't always go by Dr. Google. And um, talk to your veterinarian and see. But my bottom line is that, and I say it all the time, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If your dog, regardless of what you want to do with your lifestyle, regardless of what you would do for your own health, if your dog is doing great or your cat doing great, no problem, it has good stools, everything is going on track. Why would you change your food anyway? Think about who's talking you into this. Typically, you know, it's so interesting. I work with, uh, as, as a consultant with one of the food companies, one of the, well, not it's, it's a big brand that owns several food companies. And um, I was there with my colleague, Dr. Ernie Ward, and we were flown to Tennessee to their plant. And we were just having a discussion on some of these new foods that are coming out and their marketability. And in our roundtable, 
was a woman who is a nutritionist, but people, food nutritionist, and not for pets. And she knew that a lot of the things that we talk about and we were discussing about the bullet points, the key features, had nothing to do with the pet. It all had to do with the owners, the pet parents, because they wanted to read on a label something that was going to appeal to them and not think about, oh my God, who cares what I think? What, what about the dog? And so it was very interesting that they even had the foresight to have her come in and be part of this discussion, part of this training, knowing that she had nothing, she had, didn't knew nothing about dogs. But it's what bullet points, what messages, what does the owner on a label want to see on a label? You know, when you think about this, how many foods, and I remember this, I would laugh about it, is so the, the actual morsel itself is shaped like a little piece of like a steak, like a ribeye, <laughs> as if the dog cares. Do you, do you think they're going to say, oh, no, I'm not going to eat that because it looks like a ribeye, or I'm going to eat it because it looks like a ribeye? No, it's for the owner. The owner says, oh, my God, look how cute. So it looks exactly like you know a piece of steak that I'm going to give him. So I'm going to give it to him. So we need to be really, really careful. Anyway, that having been said, one last thing before we go, and that is it's getting hot out there. Today I look outside. I don't see it. It's a, you know, we, we, this is June, June gloom. So our days start out kind of overcast. By this afternoon, it's going to be gorgeous. Um, it's going to be in some places in LA. It's going to be in the 90s today. But the pavement stays hot. So on a hot day, even though the sun's down, you know, 7.30 p.m., 8 p.m., you think, okay, now it's safe to go out and walk the dog. And it is. That's a better time. Unless you live in some places where, you know, like in, in Las Vegas or in Arizona, at 11 p.m., it's still 110 degrees. But you want to make sure that you put some booties on the dog's feet. Very important. That pavement does stay hot. And don't let them, you know, just sit. If you can walk them on grass or on gravel or on sand, that might be a little bit better. But pavement stays hot. And just keep it in mind. I mean, it's still better to walk them, trust me, at those late hours. But make arrangements. And you can get these little, so many kind of booties out there now that will help prevent your dog from burning their pants. All right, that's it we have. That's all we have time today. Do me a favor. And um, now that I have this new social media uh, person helping me out, follow me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Dr. Jeff Werber. Um, and I'm at Dr. Jeff Werber on Instagram. I will promise you nothing else. You're going to love the Instagram pictures. I see the cutest dogs and cats every day. It's like, that's why I'm always smiling. So um, follow me. Also, AirVet. Uh, you want to download something that's going to help you, go to AirVet, A-R-V-E-T. And um, uh, if you have any troubles, you can get a hold of us here on Pet Life Radio. And um, uh, it's, it's a great way for you to uh, access either your veterinarian or a veterinarian uh, anytime you need him or her. So um, it's, a, it's, the, it's the wave of the future. All right. We will be back here next week. Same time, same channel here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best Best with Dr. Jeff. And um, this is Dr. Jeff Werber signing out. Have a great week, everybody. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.